the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow, and I am excited to be with you uh, again today. I'm only here for today, this week. I'll be back in a couple weeks with a few more shows on the Southern California Live program. But it is good to be with you for today. And we've been having a good time so far. If you want to join and be a part of the program, it's one eight 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 fifty two talks one eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. And uh, it is a wonderful day uh, in Southern California. A wonderful day in L.A., especially if you are a Dodger fan. Uh, do we still have that Dodger fan uh, Dodger music clip? We play that again. Maybe we don't have it quite yet. Oh, there we go. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 oh, I say O-M, O-M-A, O-M-A-L, O-M-A-L-L-E-Y, oh, really, no O'Malley, Sandy Colfax, all right, what a fun song by the great Danny Kay, great Song you can find that online somewhere if you want to listen to that great song. And in that song, it's a song about a game against the J I N T S, the Giants, and uh, our our great rivalry with San Francisco Giants, which we are going to see big time this weekend. Are you going to a game? I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to find a way to go. I almost went yesterday. Me and a buddy made plans on Sunday. We thought, how can we get up there and go see the go see the game? And uh, we should have done it. Obviously, should have been there. But uh, there's more excitement to come. And, uh, you know, somebody growing up in Southern California as a Dodger fan, uh, playing the Giants in the playoffs, it's a huge deal. It's, uh, there are so many moments that, um, you know, I think impacted us in this, in this great rivalry. That is, I remember being 11, and I was at home listening to the games, last game of the year in 1982, and Joe Morgan hit a home run in the uh, bottom of the eighth inning against Terry Forster on the Dodgers. And it put the Giants ahead 5-2. to two, And you knew when that happened that the season was over. We had to win, and if we won, we would have tied the Braves at the time. And the Giants were long out of it. We'd put the Giants out of it a week or two before the sweep, I think, at home. And uh, I remember standing there in the yard crying about it. And Vin Scully talking about what was going to happen if the Dodgers lose. And one of them was that that Steve Garvey wasn't going to be on the team probably. I remember standing underneath a tree in my front yard with tears rolling down my face and Vin Scully saying, Steve Garvey, this could be his last at-bat as a Dodger. And, oh, man, it was horrible. And I I could not stand Joe Morgan for years because of that home run. Great ball player, and uh, for years, it's a weird thing because I had a, a serious sense of, of no forgiveness in my heart for somebody I'd never met who hurt my feelings with that home run. And uh, I didn't forgive him in my heart, truthfully, until he was a broadcaster on ESPN several years later. Remember that? And he was great. He was a great broadcaster. He wasn't the play-by-play. He would do the the color and the analysis. 
And uh, I thought he was one of the best ever at that job. And I thought, all right, well, I got to forgive Joe Morgan. And what a great ball player. He passed away uh, not too long ago. And, uh, you know, you shouldn't hold, you know, bitterness in your heart. Uh, you shouldn't have that stuff. It was funny that I'd carried that along so, so long against somebody I didn't even know. Um, that's, you know, as, as a believer, we got to see other people as, as people that God loves and who need salvation, even if they're on the San Francisco Giants. And I know that's really difficult. Uh, but uh, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Are you? You looking forward to it? I have a lot of hope. I have a lot of hope about this weekend and uh, and this next week in the series. We'll see what happens. I think the Dodgers need to win the World Series this year. I think that would be a, a good thing. Want to talk about something? It's 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. What I want to talk about this hour, last hour we talked a lot about some of the things that are causing us a lot of strife and our pride and, you know, I think there are many things going on in our life today. I want to talk about the biblical idea of enjoying our life. That's one of the reasons I like to talk about the baseball, for example. I know there's far more important things going on in our lives, but there is something just important about taking something that you enjoy, and it can be a sport or it can be a hobby. It can be just time with friends, games, certain things that uh, um, you really enjoy. Now, you you know, there's certain things that don't count. You can't, if you're a drug dealer and you enjoy that profession, you need to get out of it, okay? It's not godly, don't do that. Um, but there are things that we should enjoy, and actually the Bible tells us in many ways that we are to enjoy our life. And I want to talk about that. What do you enjoy? What are the things that you enjoy? Maybe some things that uh, you have missed during the shutdown that we had in 2020, but that have come back. I mentioned last hour that I enjoy the crowd sound in a ball game. I enjoy that. I crank up the TV for the crowd sound. I love it when the announcers shut up when the crowd's going crazy because you get to hear that and there's so much there to that. What is it that you enjoy? What are the things that you realized maybe in the past year because of COVID or because of something else that maybe you had forgotten that you enjoyed, that you started to do? Maybe you went outside and went for walks and you went for hikes. You did some things that took your face out of your phone. Maybe when Facebook went down a couple of weeks ago uh, or last week, was it last? No, it was earlier this week. Uh, you had a few hours where suddenly you got to know people, like you got to know your children and they turned out to be nice people. You hadn't spoken to your spouse for a while. Oh, and I'm kidding, but not. I mean, some of us, we're just in our phones way too much, right? Um, and uh, there's, there's too many things that distract us. What are some things that you enjoy? What are some things that um, you really appreciate that God does? Maybe some things that don't get a lot of attention. Maybe they are, are subtle. Have you thought about this? I was leading a, uh, a church group at the beach, and it was in front of a fire pit. And there was maybe 100 or so, 120 people, young adults, sitting around this fire pit on the beach. And we were just taking people's, you know, the idea was we're going to take people's prayer requests or praises, right? You ever do the prayer and praise night kind of thing? You've probably done that if you've been in church for a while. And in this particular evening, you know, nobody was sharing anything. And it was just quiet. And people just like, eh, you know, what are we doing? And finally, somebody who was a single mom, she had brought her little girl, and her girl was maybe five or six. And she started to speak. I called on her, and, and I said, what are you thankful for? And she said, what do you praise God for? And she says, I praise God that I'm alive. I praise God for the air that I'm breathing. I praise God for my mommy. And she went down the list, her toys, her friends, her school, all of these things, and she kept going on and on and listing things that she wanted to give praise to God for. 
and you've never seen a bunch of people who are adults start to cry because we all realized that we are taking for granted so many things that God has blessed us with in this life. Like we couldn't even say it. We couldn't even get together and praise God for the simple things. And I think that's a a critical discipline in this world where there are so many things that we get stressed out about, so many challenges that we have, lots of things that we're concerned about with legitimate reasons. How can we still enjoy our life? I actually think this is a, a spiritual discipline. And I want to share that a little bit in the book of Ecclesiastes. You ever read that book? You got to read the whole book. Don't read like three chapters and stop. You'll be depressed. You got to read the whole thing beginning to end because Solomon, who I believe wrote it, he works it out and he works out a whole lot as he goes through this book. And if you've got some thoughts about this subject, you can call me at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Would love to hear from you. What do you enjoy about life? What are some things that you want to give God the praise for? Something that is just subtle, but something that you enjoy. Uh, I'd love to have you share that with our, our audience. In the book of Ecclesiastes, in chapter 9, it starts this way. It says, so I reflected on all of this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands, but no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. And what he's talking about is he reflected on the first eight chapters of that book. He's talking about all these things he was trying to do to find meaning. And it was in wealth, and it was in education, it was in pleasure, all kinds of different things. And uh, he realized that none of that worked. Uh, You know, he's the wisest guy ever to live, but uh, for whatever reason, he decided that he needed to test out everything just to make sure Uh, that he was right about that. And now he starts to make conclusions. And it's why this book is so valuable, uh, especially during this time when things are really kind of dark and difficult. He said, so I reflected on all of these things and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands, but no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. And he's saying that all the concerns of life, everything from birth to grave, from good times and bad times, pleasure and pain and war and peace, working and days off. He says the life of the believer is in God's hands. Do you believe that, that your life is ultimately in God's hands? That the things that we worry about, that Jesus tells us, don't worry about tomorrow. You know, the concerns of today are enough. Do you really believe that? It's such a precious thing when when we realize that. And it becomes our worldview, that purpose and meaning to life ultimately comes from God. And life's purpose cannot be whatever is just temporal, but what is eternal. And your life is in God's hands. He's not saying that we don't have a role in our life. He's not saying that you don't make choices or do things. But he's already in this book fully discussed our choices and uh, the good and the bad and all these things. But simply that we are God's and he is going to work in us however he pleases. He says, but no one knows whether love or hates awaits them. You know, we don't know the future. God is mysterious. His plan is wise. And we have a lot of things that we're concerned about, concerned about the church, concerned about unity, concerned about our country, concerned about all of these things together. But God is not concerned. God's not looking down on us and going, what are they doing? I'm so confused. We can rest in that with God. And one of the things that we can do because of this is that if we really have this worldview that we don't know the future, but God is in control, is that we can enjoy today with whatever we have. And I heard somebody say one time, he said, don't let what you can't know, don't let what you can't understand, don't let what you cannot control ruin the joy that you can have today. 
And I think that's super good advice for all of us. You can join the conversation at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. This is the Southern California Live Program. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. It's good to be with you today. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 2, he says, All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful, and as it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. We have this one life. I think one of the reasons that Ecclesiastes is a little bit hard because he points out that everybody dies. He's just very upfront about this. One out of one person is going to die. Did you know that? That's a statistic that you can't debate. That's going to happen. The book of Hebrews it tells us that everybody is appointed to die. Uh, Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. So then how do you live this life? Verse 3 says, this is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes us all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts where they live, and afterward they join the dead. Now, if you're just joining us and listening, going, who is this guy? Why is he talking about this? Hang on. I'm going to just hang on with us because I'm going to give you something to enjoy. And one of the things he's pointing out here is that the evil in this world is death. But the Bible tells us that death will one day be destroyed. 1 Corinthians 15, 26. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. But until then, we all have a common destiny. Unless we're alive when Jesus comes back, that's what we're going to face. And he talks about how people make different choices. Some people choose evil in life. Some people live in greed and they lord their wealth over other people. uh, And they rob other people for a lifetime. We see this once in a while. And then you die anyway. You know, what good was it? Um... Somebody in California won apparently, what, $600 million in the lottery this week. Uh, that's a pretty good prize. Do you tell people about it? I hope that you, I don't know if they released that person's name, but they tell you that the wise thing to do if you are legally allowed to, and if you can, is to lock it down and don't tell anybody and accept it anonymously. Different states have different rules about that because it wrecks your life. That There are story horror stories of people who win all kinds of money and they're broke just a few months later because everybody's demanding money and there's all kinds of things. People have been murdered for it. you know. And then what's the point? You can't take it with you. And here's verse 4. Here's where I'm going. Now, this is from a guy who is realistic about life. He is not pessimistic. He's actually, actually going to be very optimistic in this book. But he's very straightforward about what life is about. And then in verse 4, he says, Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. Everyone among the living has hope. That's biblical. Everyone among the living has hope. Do you have hope? Let me ask you this question. Are you among the living? Put your hand up if you live, if you're alive right now. I'm pretty sure most of the people listening right now are alive. Some of you, you've had a rough day. You're not too sure if you're a Cardinal fan, you know, you're really depressed, but you're still breathing and there's always next year, right? I mean, this seems to be a change in the approach if you're reading through this book where he's talked about being life is meaningless and there's so much hopelessness and la, la, la. And then he says this, that anyone who's among the living has hope. What a great conclusion that even a live dog is better than a dead lion. The dog was the lowest of all creatures in that culture, and the lion was regarded as the highest of all creatures. And one of the reasons that we can have hope is because we are alive. Verse 5, he says, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. 
Where there is life, there is hope, the Bible teaches. I'm bringing this up because I think, especially with so much tension and so many people that I'm working with, we feel a bit hopeless, don't we? I mean, maybe today is just a great day of hope for you, and that's great. For a lot of people, it is. But for a lot of people listening, a lot of you, this is a time of great hopelessness, isn't it? Things aren't going so well with your job. You're watching the tension in our country. You're looking at the news, and today you're going, we have Marines in Taiwan. Are we going to war? I mean, we're fighting about all this crazy stuff around here, and yet we might be going to war soon. Did you know that? Uh, that's pretty scary. The national debt discussion, I mean, all of that's political. They're not going to default on the country. That was never on the table for real. It's a crazy thing that the, the media goes there. Um, but then we had this backup measure that was in the news this week that the Treasury might mint a $1 trillion coin. I mean, that's, that's kind of an interesting coin, a $1 trillion coin. Why don't we do just, I don't even understand that. Do you understand economics this way? I don't get it. Why well, can we can just mint that and we're fine? Why don't, our debt's $30 trillion. Why don't we mint $30 trillion coins, give that money to the IRS, and let them pay off the debt? And then we have no debt. Doesn't that work? That seems like that would be the right thing. What, what picture do you put on the trillion-dollar coin? You would put Donald Trump's on there if he wasn't, uh, if he wasn't still alive. You can't be on a coin unless you're dead. That's the rule. Um, I guess you put the Monopoly money mine guy on there, monocle or no monocle, because it's worth about the same. Anyway, whether you're still alive, there is hope. But we have all this bad news and this scary news all the time. First Peter three, First Peter 1, verse 3, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this life, if you are alive, you have hope of things to come. You have hope that God is going to win that Jesus Christ is the Savior, that he really did rise from the grave, that death will be uh, defeated, that death is defeated, that one day, even though you die, you will rise up through the hole that Jesus punched in death right into eternal life. See, when you think eternally about things, things in this life, the things that matter more, they can never be taken away. Our hope can never be taken away. This gives us the ability to endure the hard times like this and to live joyfully through our, our life. But I want to suggest to you today, and I want to hear from you if you want to give us a call and and be a part of this conversation, and the number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557, is that God wants you to enjoy this life. That yes, you have eternity, and yes, you have a mission. You've got a mission that is about making disciples, and there are very deadly serious things that we have to confront in this life and go through. But while you have today, enjoy today. Is there something that you can enjoy today? Is there something you want to share with us in this audience that you just particularly enjoy? Maybe it's a small thing. Maybe it's something that you can encourage people to enjoy. This will help you with hopelessness if you're struggling with that. This will help you get focused on on the Lord and the promises and the hope that you have. And if you're listening and you're not a believer, and I know that many of you listening, you're not sure about this stuff and you are listening for various reasons. Maybe you're listening because you're curious. Maybe you're listening because the guy next to you has his radio on too loud, and you hear us every day. Where is your hope? And where is it? Let's talk about this uh, today in this hour. I want to give you some stuff 
and some ways to enjoy your life. You can participate with me. I'd love to hear from you. It's 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. You're listening to Southern California Live on KKLA and KPRZ. I'll be back in just a few moments. Stay tuned. Don't go away. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. I am Pastor Scott Furrow. It's great to be with you once again today. And we've been talking about this hour, having a good time, enjoying our life, that we can actually enjoy our life as God's gift. And this is actually a recurring theme throughout uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, which is where we're taking our main idea here in text. But you also see this throughout the Bible that once we have a worldview of what God is doing throughout history, what God's plan is for the world, then we should take a look at our life and figure out what it is that we can enjoy today. You can join our conversation by calling 888-52-TALKS or 888, same number, 888-528-2557. would love to hear about what you enjoy, what gives you hope, or any questions that you might have that come to mind. Ecclesiastes 9, 7, it says, Go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Now, it doesn't say to go and drink too much wine, but it says to what you have, enjoy it with a joyful heart. Enjoy life as God's gift. This is a a recurring theme. And right now, you have this life. Because you're still alive, you have time to enjoy it. And you should enjoy it. You know, I'm enjoying some things right now at this moment. I am enjoying some coffee. I got it earlier. I love coffee. It's my favorite. I just, and I drink it black, nothing in it. Don't put any Splenda in this man's coffee. No sugar, no cream, just the way it is. I used to, I drink actually a lot less. I kind of joke about it. I drink it a lot less than I used to uh, because I do like sleep. But uh, I used to be able to drink coffee and tell you probably from what part of the world the coffee was from. I had that kind of taste and it was pretty good. I enjoy coffee. being on the radio right now with you and taking your calls and being a part of this conversation. I think everybody has so much really to add to this conversation when we think about. I enjoy taking this moment to to be positive about the world that we live in and saying, you know, with all the stress of all the different things, God wants us still to enjoy our presence with him and enjoy today. I want to go to the phones. We have Steve from Santa Monica. Steve, thank you for calling and being part of Southern California Live. Welcome to the show. Thanks for taking my call. Yes. I, I actually had one quick comment and a question. Yes. Reading the book of Ecclesiastes, to me, the God in Ecclesiastes is a deistic God. He says he presents the world, all life is air or breath or vanity, uh, and there's nothing else but to enjoy God's creation. But it doesn't say anything about afterlife or the Messiah. I mean, uh, Ecclesiastes is a pretty agnostic book, actually. Well... Uh, I appreciate. Go ahead. Give your I mean, second question, and I'll, I'll address that I, in a minute. I've read it many times. And I don't know. That's how I read it. Yeah. Secondly, how do you know? I've always wondered because evangelicals always talk about the Bible is the word of God. How do you know the Bible is the word of God? Literally, how do you know that? Right. That's a great question, Steve. I appreciate uh, uh, that question very, very much. I think I lost you there. Um, let me get to the the first part, and I'll kind of answer it with the, the second one, and give you the the answer here. You know, one of the things that, that we believe, Christians believe, is that the whole Bible is the Word of God, which includes the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you take the book of Ecclesiastes in context, you have a guy, Solomon, who's probably an old guy, 
who we know existed. He's the son of David. He was the king of Israel. These things are not historically in question. And he is writing a reflection on life and all of these things. And, you know, by the end of the book, he actually gives what he thinks the meaning of life is. He's talking about the context of this book is how to live in this world today, you know, how to actually live here. And, you know, what we should do in chapter 12, he wraps it up and he says, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come. And then he describes what it's like to get old. Um, and, you know, the older you get, the more we, we sense stuff like that, right? When I was in my 30s, I would tell people in their 20s, you know, the 30s are great. They're just like your 20s, they're just a little slower. And then in my 40s, I told people in their 30s, the 30s, you know, the 40s are fantastic. They're just like your 30s. It just hurts a little bit more. And right now I'm creeping into my 50s. What I'm afraid is that I'm going to have to tell people the 50s are just like the 40s, except you're going to be hospitalized because I've got to tell you what, I hurt sometimes. Uh, it's a little bit different. He comes to this conclusion of the matter of life after describing being old. And he says, not only was the teacher wise, but he imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set out many proverbs. And then he ends like this. Now all has been heard, and here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Now that passage right there implies that there's an afterlife. It implies that there is something after this life. And in the context of the God of Israel, and in the context of the Savior coming, which is in the story of Scripture, and everybody, everything points to Jesus, in the context of the New Testament where we, we're living now, so to speak, and where Jesus has been revealed the Savior, uh, Ecclesiastes is very much uh, about the Christian God, the, the God who is the God of Israel, who we believe is Christians, all right, is the same God, and uh, if you're Jewish, you may not accept that right now, and that would be the difference that we have. But it's it's one unit. So as far as how do why do we believe that the Bible is true? You know, let me answer it this way: How would we know if God is speaking somehow? If there is a God, how would we actually know this anyway? Like, what would be what would be necessary for us to know that? I think it's a very good question. It's a great question to ask: How do we know that this is the Word of God? And there's, it's a much longer answer than we can give uh, right here, but I'll give you a couple of thoughts. First of all, with the Bible, what I would say is really study the Bible. It's great that you've read Ecclesiastes, especially if you've read the whole thing. It is a great book. It tells you an awful lot about life. You can read the book of Proverbs, and if you obey those Proverbs and you live according to them, you'll live a pretty good life, even if you don't believe in God at all. The advice in there is fantastic. And what we believe, what I believe as a Christian is that the reason that advice is so good is because it is from the Lord and he is communicating to us about the realities of the universe and this is how you navigate this fallen life. When you take a look at the scripture as a whole, it's written over 1,500 years by about 40 different authors and it all points to the same thing. It all points to Jesus Christ. At some point, faith is going to be a part of it. Okay, There's never a place where there is proof. But I would encourage you to to with a, a clear mind, without bias, one way or the other, study the Bible for what it is, but mainly focus on Jesus Christ and especially his resurrection. And the reason for that is this, that if there is no resurrection, if Jesus didn't physically rise from the grave, then even the Bible says, then the Bible's a waste of time. But if Jesus really did rise from the grave, and Steve, this is where I would, I would focus, to really study this. 
if Jesus really came out of that grave, if there were really eyewitnesses, if the stories of the New Testament are true, if the eyewitnesses uh, to the faith were correct, that they saw Jesus rise from the grave, then I would suggest to you that that is very good evidence that the Bible is true, that it is the word of God. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, then it doesn't really matter, does it? It's just a remarkable piece of literature over 1,500 years that all kind of fits together. But if Jesus really did rise from the grave, which people don't do unless uh, they're Jesus, if that actually happened, what would happen in history? What would the eyewitnesses do? What would happen to the Roman Empire? What would happen to the world? Um, And even with all the failures of the church and the fallenness of human beings and mistakes that people made, you know, the Bible's pretty open about the struggles of the early church the struggles even of people who are eyewitnesses to, to Jesus. All of that is is very upfront, stuff you wouldn't write down if you're just trying to make it up. If Jesus really rose from the grave, then it has implications for every one of us. If Jesus really rose from the grave, then it is very relevant that on your calendar, on your computer, on your phone, that this is A.D. 2021, and it's pointing back to you know the year one, which is off by a couple of years, I realize that. But it's the birth of Jesus, and that we count all of history pointing to Jesus Christ. That whether we believe in him or not, you cannot deny that Jesus Christ is, that history is pointing to him. Even the calendar on your phone points to him. I think that's because he rose from the grave, and the eyewitnesses to that event were telling the truth. And they went to their deaths, most of them, to defend that truth. Something they knew for a fact was either true or false. Peter and Paul and not Paul, but Peter and John and the apostles. I mean, Paul has an experience with Jesus, of course. The rest of them saw him risen from the grave. They went to their deaths for something they either know was made up or something they know was true. Most people will not go to their deaths for something that they know not to be true. That's where I would start, Steve, is start with the crucifixion, start with the resurrection of Christ, did that really happen, and then really investigate the Bible um, in as far as how it's put together, what it says, what it is really pointing to, and then ask yourself, you know, how is it that the book of Daniel predicts the great empires of history written well before they happened? Even if you don't believe Daniel wrote it, some scholars say, ah, Daniel didn't write it. The oldest manuscript we have of it is still a couple hundred years before Christ. How did Daniel know? There's a lot of great questions out there. See, if the Bible is the word of God, it's going to prove itself because of history, not because some guy says so, not because I said so, not because some church says so, but the Bible itself, if it is the word of God, it is going to point you to something that is undeniable. That's what I believe you will experience. All right. Uh, Ishmael from San Fernando Valley, thank you for calling. Hi. How are you? Hi. Hi. Welcome to the program. Oh, nothing. I'm just, I was listening to you talk, you know, about, you know, how to enjoy life and what to appreciate life. Yeah. I've had my struggles uh, throughout my Christian life. I've had more downs than ups, I could probably say. But, you know, earlier this year, I recommitted myself to Christ. And I've been able to just rejoice in the truthness of the Word of God. In every aspect, you know, that I've had in my life, I know that there's a plan and a purpose behind you know, the things that I've gone through and the things that, you know, I've experienced. One of the things, one of the verses that helps me out a lot, right, is the Matthew 6, verse, uh, verse 25. It says, therefore, you know, do not worry. It's telling you not to worry, right? 
don't worry about what you will eat or the clothes you're going to wear or your body. It's just, you know, rest in, in, in Christ and all that. He paid the price that we could never pay and that, you know, all our needs will be met, will be met by That's our right. Father God. So, and I think, I think what a lot of, a lot, what happens to a lot of people, like you, you said it, if you don't read the Word of God, you're not going to find answers or solutions to the problems that you're going through. So you're going to be disillusioned. You're not going to be able to experience the fullness of God or the fullness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because you don't know how to deal with those things alone. That's right. And that's how I know that the Word of God is it's, it's, it's alive. It's breathing. Because... If you apply those, you know, what the Word of God says to your daily life, you will start to see, you know, how it works. You will start to see it, the evidence of how God is with us, how, how you know, the goodness of our Lord is there. That's right. Ishmael, I'm coming up against a break, but I thank you for your call, and I'm so glad that you have rededicated your life to Christ this year. And uh, what a great verse to point us to. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what we... Will you eat or drink or about your body? What you will wear is life not more than food, the body more than clothes. Can any, and later he says, can any one of you worry by worrying at a single hour to your life? And we trust the Lord with that. I got to go to a break. This is Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. The number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Thank you for calling Ishmael. I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. You can join our conversation at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. We're talking about enjoying our life, enjoying today for today, for today's reasons. Our main text we've been using comes out of the book of Ecclesiastes, actually. And it is something that God gives us each and every day, something that we can enjoy. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 8, it says, Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Most of us are not going to be putting oil on our head um, in that same way. But here's what this means. It means in its context that every occasion is important. And you anoint your head with oil. You used to do that when you, were, when you were going out, that you would get clean, that you would be clothed in white, your clothes would be clean, and that you would be presentable and do all these things. Philippians 4.4 4 reminds us to rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I don't know if you think about it this way, but every occasion is important. And we can enjoy every part of our life, and we should be ready to enjoy it for what we have. I enjoy late-night discussions with my kids. My kids want to talk to me when they're trying to go to bed, and I know they're stalling. I totally know the routine. They haven't talked to me all night. Suddenly they want to get real philosophical. But I have to tell you, I enjoy it. And then I make them go to bed. And we say, we're going to talk about it later. I enjoy a good walk. I enjoy just getting out and being out there. One of the things I love about Southern California is that it doesn't rain all that often, right? And so I enjoy the rain when I'm not sick of it, right? It's, uh, we get it, and uh, it's a good thing. There's so many things to enjoy. I enjoy going to church. And, uh, you know, there are parts of church sometimes as a pastor, you know, it's business and it's work and there's things to do, but I enjoy being there with people. I enjoy the fellowship of believers. It is such a great thing. Verse nine, it says, enjoy life with your wife 
whom you love all the days of this meaningless life. That's what Solomon likes to say through the book. It's a much longer uh, exegesis to get into that. This meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all of your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. He's not calling life meaningless. He never says, he's not meaning that. Life is full of meaning. And as we read last time, he ends the book telling you what the meaning of life is. In fact, if you want to know the meaning of life, study this book. You will learn it. He tells you to enjoy your marriage. And uh, that's a little harder if you're not married or you're divorced and a lot of people are, are dealing with that. But if you are married, take that time to enjoy life with your spouse. Do that. Verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. In the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. I mean, that's an incredible statement right there. Just really brutally true. Enjoy what you're doing. Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The Bible is telling us, and Solomon is telling us, and I believe inspired by God, this is what he's letting us know, is that we can live life to the full. This life, this temporal life, where we have to look forward to eternity. Our hope is there. We started off by telling, talking about that, that when your worldview is that one day you're going to get to be with Jesus, that one day you will rise from the grave, that death isn't all there is, that there is a place that you're going to be with the Lord and that he's not going to take away his promises to you, then there is something that you can enjoy today. What I want to recommend to you is this. Love where you are today. If you're in a place and you just wish you weren't there, or you can't wait to, to get a new job, or you can't wait to get out of California, you can't wait to go to the beach today, you can't wait to do something, you're struggling with something, you're, maybe you've got illnesses, maybe you're really dealing with some hard things. Those things ultimately are going to pass when you're with Jesus. Most of the time those things are just phases in life and you're going to go through them at different times. But find something today, whatever your situation is, to love where you are today. If you are a young person Love the fact that you are young. Just enjoy that you get to be young today. Enjoy that because it goes away. It just does. You get older, and like I said, you know, you slow down a bit. Enjoy it that you're young. It's wonderful to be young. Uh, somebody once said, I'm blanking on who said it, but youth is wasted on the young. And that doesn't, it's a crazy statement, right? It doesn't make any sense. Until you get older, then you know exactly what that means. It's George Bernard Shaw, I think that's who said that. Love it that you're young. Enjoy being young wherever you are. And if you're worried about getting married or you're worried about career, or you're worried about buying a house, don't worry about that right now. Enjoy something today. Enjoy it that you can go out and exercise. If you're not in good shape, enjoy it that you can go out and get in good shape tomorrow because you can do that when you're young. It's harder when you're older. Enjoy that. Respect those who are older because you will be there one day. So enjoy today. If you're, if you're an older person, enjoy today. Whatever stage of life you're in, find something today that you can just say, I enjoy. If it means you just got to go for a walk, if it means that you just take a moment, whatever it is, enjoy it. Enjoy something today. You know, there's, it's a, there's a guy who was at our church, and he was in our church. He passed away a couple of years ago. His whole life he was at our church, First Baptist Church of San Diego. He grew up there. He started at six years old in that church. And in his 90s, one day he showed up to church and his face was all bloodied up. He looked like he'd been in some kind of terrible fight. It was horrible. And I said, George, what happened to you? And he said, I fell. He said, I fell down at the Walmart. And he said, I was walking in and I tripped over the, uh, the doorway entry or something. 
He said, I went right to the ground, fell right on my face. But then he got this look in his face, in his eye and this gleam and he put his arms in the air and he said, but I didn't break my hip. And he put his arms up and it was the greatest story that in spite of the fact that he fell, he was able to celebrate that he didn't break his hip because when you're older, that's what you don't want to do, right? Some of you are dealing with that right now. You don't want to do that. Enjoy your life. You know, if you're older and the doctor says, when you're like George and the doctor says, go get a walker, go get one. Don't fight it. Just do it. Get, and then when you do, get the one with the bright tennis balls on it on the bottom and the bicycle horn and honk at people when you're trying to get by and love it. Just enjoy that that's the stage of life you're in. And whatever stage of life you're in, find something today to enjoy because we don't know what's coming. We don't know what's coming tomorrow. We do know that what's coming at the end is that we have hope in Jesus Christ. A great evil in this world today is hopelessness. It's just a great, terrible thing. But we need to have hope, and we can have hope in Jesus Christ. Verse 11, he says, I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. We never know what's going to happen. The race is not to the swift. You know what that means? It means if you're saying to yourself, "Ah, I'm not smart enough to compete. I'm not educated enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not wealthy enough. Enough for what? God loves you. For the believer, there is always hope. 1 Thessalonians 1.3. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor, labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Something that you can enjoy about your life is is hope. Hope is the anti-fear. I think fear is one of the things that is causing us the most harm today. With so much watching on the news, rumors of war with China, the national debt and default and all of that that is causing so much fear. Vaccines and vaccine mandates and masks and COVID and all of this stuff, it causes so much fear. Hope is the anti-fear. Hope is where you say, you know what, I hope the economy is strong and people are able to go back to work. I hope that people's ingenuity moves us to a better place than we were even before COVID-19. I hope people learn lessons through the successes and the failures over the past couple of weeks. I hope that it's not too hot next week. I hope my kids stay healthy. I hope my wife has a great day today. I hope that we have a generation of leaders who are going to rise up and understand our country and what it's about and become great leaders and move us to a better place. I hope to see my old friend Jason one day. I hope he knows Jesus. I hope if he doesn't, I get to tell him a little bit more. I hope Jesus comes back soon and brings all. There is so much greatness to to hope. It is the anti-fear. Hope is something that we have in Christ. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love, of course, but hope is in the top three. That's a pretty good deal. What do you hope for? Keep your hope in the forefront of every day and find something today to enjoy. And do that. Do that this evening. Make it a habit to enjoy something that is a gift from God every single day. And everything will draw you closer to the Lord that way. We always have things to hope for. That's a good deal. Friends, we're done for today. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. It has been a blessing to be with you today, and I enjoy it every single time I get to be with you. And I'll be with you again in a couple of weeks right here on KKLA and KPRZ on the Southern California Live program. I want to encourage you to go to the website. If you are in the L.A. area, go to KKLA.com and check out the different opportunities to connect and different shows. Same thing at KPRZ in San Diego. 
Friends, thank you for listening. Thank you for um, all that you do in the Lord's name. God bless you. I'll see you later on. Have a great day. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.